0: Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hello, I'm your other
1: host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's Mandalorian episode where we are talking all about Chapter Six, The Prisoner, another The <laughs> Sanctuary. <laughs> Thank God. This continues to stand out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sanctuary is just so cruel. It was a good episode, but it was so cruel. It really? Sanctuary. Is. Just say the sanctuary, guys. Can we edit it? Just please edit it. What
1: if <laughs> what if it was a mistake, you know? And and like next year or in the next season, when we go back and look at season one, it'll suddenly be
0: the sanctuary. Wow. I would I would really like that because I would too. we need it. But I'd also like to ask John and Dave and Bryce Dallas Howard why the the was omitted and whether it was a conscious choice
1: right I just because if
0: it it could be a conscious choice of being like the as that episode stands as like an episode that exists in the middle um after like it's like a transition episode so I can see it not having a the but I want to I just want to know the choice behind it or lack thereof it just feels like a huge oversight
1: yeah, like a big outlier. Someone had tweeted at us. They were like, Can someone please put the the in Sanctuary for Sky Talkers Pod sanity? <laughs> please. Like, uh, yes. <laughs> From your tweet to Jon Favreau himself. <laughs> I just, like, I don't understand.
0: <laughs> I don't either. That's I really don't. It's
1: like, I just need to know the reason.
0: Yeah. Well, someday we'll find out. Regardless, this episode was called The Prisoner, and it was written by Christopher Yost, who has written for Marvel in the past, specifically a screenwriter on Thor The Dark World and Thor Ragnarok, and Rick Famayiwa, and it was also directed by Rick Famayiwa himself, and... Uh, for those who aren't keeping track, this is the same director who directed chapter two. So I was excited to see him back because I thought chapter two was like a really slow, like a nice, like slow meditation on like the Mandalorian himself. And like, honestly, this feels the opposite of that (laughs) in a lot of ways. I think that this episode was, um, really exciting and really like fast paced and everything. We'll get into that. But, uh, I was thrilled to see Rick back and um, I really like him doing Star Wars. So Caitlin, what'd you think of this episode?
1: Yeah, I I liked this episode and kind of, it's funny because comparing, you said like there, it's kind of diametrically opposed to chapter two, which he directed mm-hmm. as well. And it's funny because this episode was almost double the length as well as chapter <laughs> two. So I think that's- kind of funny. (laughs) yeah. Um, But I I liked this episode a lot. I I thought it was a lot better than last week's episode. If you guys listened to our review of Chapter 5, you know it wasn't my favorite. Um, I feel like I had a good therapy session with Chapter 5 though over the course of watching it multiple times and then also our discussion as well. Mm -hmm. But this episode I had a much better time with. I think I liked it overall. This is probably my second favorite episode of the season after Chapter 3, uh, Deborah Child's episode. That episode
0: just is still like gold standard. <laughs> it was so exciting. Chapter so three. Good. I feel like we might feel this this way about the finale mm-hmm. because I really do think they're building to something here. Um, and again, we'll get into that. And I think that that's how chapter three felt because it felt like episode, like chapter one and chapter two, were building to this like moment that happened in chapter three mm-hmm. in a in like this epic way. And I think that that's kind of why, like, it was like a kind of a culmination. Um, in chapter three, which just feel, feels weird because it's really the third out of eight. And I think that we'll feel that way at the finale or honestly Wednesday's episode also. I mean, I have oh, no boy. idea. My God, the
1: finale is next week.
0: Yeah. Isn't that so crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I just- also, I, we can use this moment to say that We've loved doing our Mandalorian episodes, but because of the Rise of Skywalker next week, we'll be doing a combined episode for chapter seven and eight. And I don't know when we're going to be able to record those because yeah. of the holidays. Yeah. But, but we will, you know, discuss it heavily. Mm-hmm. So this is like our second to last Mandalorian episode discussion episode for us, which is kind of crazy. Like, I can't believe that we've actually gotten got here.
1: Yeah. My God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, overall, I enjoyed this episode. I liked it had, you know, a solo big shot gangster putting together a crew vibes to it. I liked the setting of it. This was kind of new for the Mandalorian to be in a very Star Wars-y ship, you know, uh, kind of that. it w- The prisoner transport was like a cross between you know, Empire, like an imperial ship, the design of it, as well as being a New Republic prisoner transport. I thought that was kind of cool. I'm sure that ship has been repurposed either from the Empire or from the First Order. Now that the New Republic is in
0: charge, so well, I, it wouldn't be the First Order because the First Order isn't in existence. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: we also watch Resistance today, so like <laughs> <the> timeline
0: <is laughs> messed
1: up. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah. So an imperial. Um, ship so it was probably repurposed from uh, the Empire so I liked getting the visuals of that um, because we have been on so the the show has been predominantly desert planet and so sanctuary was a big reprieve from that and that's part of what makes that episode stand out so much and um, this episode does too and the setting I think is a big
0: piece of that yeah Ugh, I, I really I really like this episode too. I wouldn't say it's my second favorite. I don't really know what is my second favorite now, but I think this is definitely up there in top three. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was a really good balance between goofy and intense action. And it was like, it also kind of felt a little bit animated in the way that we see all these different characters of different species. Like it's surprising to see Like, really cool aliens. I don't know. I feel like I've gotten used to live-action Star Wars kind of staying away from that as a main character. And here we have, you know, I I, will get this name wrong, and please don't come for me, but the Devilronian? Whatever. The Devil Man. I can't believe he's, like, a main character. And then we have a Twi'lek and a live-action Twi'lek. It's super cool. You know, two live-action Twi'leks. One that is wearing, like, a wife-beater-type T-shirt, and then (laughs) another one who is, you know, hissing. It's just like so goofy and cool. And then uh, we have, I don't know, I really, I liked the characters that were introduced in this and I liked them even more watching it the second time. Mm -hmm. I think that with Star Wars, it's just so interesting. And I said this last time, but watching something the second time, knowing how it ends, you get, I get a lot out of it when I return to something. Mm -hmm. And especially something that feels new or goofy to me, I'm able to like it, I, it. The first watch kind of breaks down the barriers of me judging it based off of goofiness. And then the second time I watch it, I'm able to absorb those goofiness in, a, in like a really positive way. Not that I didn't do that the first time, but I think that I'm able to like kind of breathe a sigh of relief and enjoy it rather than like wonder how it's all going to end, especially because this episode had so much tension. Mm-hmm. I just enjoyed it the second time around a lot.
1: Yeah, The the Mandalorian does a lot as far as, I mean, every episode we've been introduced to a slew of new characters that are not carried over. I think Grief is the only one that's really been carried over <laughs> and mm-hmm. the Nick Nolte, not. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so you do need that moment to like get used to them. And I think that that's... Um, something I'm enjoying and not enjoying about the Mandalorian at the same time. It's because like every time we get new characters and then I, then I find myself kind of subconsciously going, okay, does this feel like star Wars and like readjusting to the new dynamic that's being set up in the episodes. And, and I think that that is, is a challenge because the Mandalorian himself doesn't speak as much. And even though he, he and Baby Yoda are continuous, they personally don't have a lot of dialogue to, I don't know, just kind of acclimate you more. And so I find myself having, like I said, to like readjust every time we are getting new characters, which is every episode. And so you're right. I think the second viewing really does alleviate a lot of that because you know how it's going to end. You know what these characters are going to do. And this episode in particular, I found myself enjoying it even more. And I had a really good time with this episode in the in the first viewing. Um I just I like the tension. I was really surprised at a lot of the things that happened in it. And like I said, I liked the setting of it so much. I thought it worked really mm-hmm. well. And Um, One of my favorite moments was at the end with which character? I think it was the um, Bill Burr character. And it's after the Mandalorian has kind of gotten all of the other members of the crew taken care of. And, you know, you've got the red lights flashing and the Mandalorian just kind of disappears and reappears behind the
0: Bill Burr character. (laughs) I was so shocked. (laughs) Me too. Me too. That was so good. The thing is, is I really do feel like this episode was so well directed and also well edited. Mm -hmm. I think that the tension, you know, all those things are really created by like a director's vision and then a communication with the editors. So I have to commend like the editor, honestly, because I think that it was pretty flawless the way that the different cuts and um, like the lighting and everything really all built to such a tense episode that I really felt like the stakes were super high. And I, there were several moments that I was like scared and didn't know how things were going to end. And that is hard to achieve in television when you have like a set amount of episodes and you kind of know that X story is going to be picked up later. And it's, it's interesting because you're like, Oh, the Mandalorian, like what's the most dangerous thing that I can think of the Mandalorian being, Like, what situation is the most dangerous that I can think of the Mandalorian being in? And I think being separated from Baby Yoda is probably, like, number one. Like, and I think that that continuously happens (laughs) in this episode, first by constantly leaving him. And then when he was, like, thrown into the prison cell and when, you know, you have four separate people... um, after him like when everything kind of turns on the mandalorian i think that you wonder how that's all going to end and then also you have zero the droid who is kind of hunting (laughs) baby yoda and that was so like that was nerve-wracking and i had no idea how that was going to end and i think that that the episode did a really good job of building that tension also the music really did a great job of building the tension as well it's not just the editing it's not just the directing but Really set the tone for, oh my God, I need to be alert here and you had made a comment before to me offline about how like each of the characters has a different music cue, mm-hmm. which I thought was really yeah, cool. yeah I thought
1: that this episode maybe maybe not since the first episode that the music really carried the plot forward with this one. it really had I don't know I, I think the soundtrack to the men learn is so unique and and is one of the biggest strengths of the show overall. But this episode in particular, it really carried the plot forward. And yeah, all of the characters have different um, music cues when they're jumping from the razor crest into the prisoner transport. This just little one off note that is really indicative, you know, it's 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 kind of like a character defining moment for them, how it sounds and The Mandalorian is the last, of course, and he has that you know, whatever it is. <laughs> You all know what I'm talking about, <laughs> um, but he has that—he um, has that music cue, and I just thought it was really great. And the music really stood out to me in this episode. I love how when the Mandalorian is doing something on his own, the music is never super intense. It has this like action quality to it, but it's not there's not kind of this ticking time bomb behind it either. It's very it's very assassin like. I don't really know how to describe it. When he's in kind of combat situations with other characters, I feel like the music picks up on the tension between the two of them and almost more so the character he's fighting because nine times out of ten, the Mandalorian's gonna win. <laughs> but even when he was, you know, trapped in mm-hmm. the prison cell and he's, you know, he's gotta figure out a way to get out, the music never Like I don't know, it never goes that extra mile to be super heart-pounding because the Mandalorian himself is going to figure out a way to get out of that situation. I will say that this is the first time in these situations where the Mandalorian is separate from Baby Yoda, that I felt the Mandalorian's stress a lot more. I felt his stress a lot more about Baby Yoda in this episode than I did in the last episode when Toro, the young bounty hunter, had him captured. Um, I don't know. I felt I felt like the emotion more from the Mandalorian in this episode. And I, I don't even know if I could tell you why, but for me, it just it landed better than it did in last week's. I
0: think... There is a softness. And I I think that we as like stands use soft in a different way than what I'm using it here. But I think that when Yoda, Baby Yoda was dropped by Bill Burr, when Zero did that maneuver, which again, really the visual effects were like immaculate in this episode. I was like, man, I know that the visual effects people are having the most fun. Mm-hmm. You know, animating and you know, illustrating the way that the Razor Crest is moving right now. Um, Anyway, I think that when Bird drops Baby Yoda, I think all of our hearts kind of stopped because we're like, "Oh my god, he dropped the baby!" <laughs> <laughs> right? I Major gas. Like, that bastard dropped Baby Yoda. <laughs> exactly, and I think that that's that's how we all felt. But I think that when afterwards when you see the Mandalorian kind of scoop Baby Yoda up and then place him in the most soft way down on like this in his little like cove. (laughs) And it was the complete opposite of what we saw Bill Burr do. And I think that even those quiet moments of understanding that he really cares about the baby. And in that moment, he was worried about him. And his first thought wasn't, wow, my ship is, you know, what the heck? (laughs) just happened and the droid is driving my ship and you know I hate droids whatever right and I think that his first thought was to help the baby and get him to safety Mm -hmm. and I think that just even that I think it was like even 30 seconds of that split moment is enough for me to understand that the Mandalorian is putting the baby first
1: yeah, yeah, I I thought the like the helmet, the mask acting in this episode really stood out too. Especially I think the episode asks you to pay attention to it more because all of the rest of the crew keep talking about it and the like when the when the uh transport opens whatever the cubby that baby Yoda is in i guess his bedroom at this point <laughs> <laughs> um, his cubby, cubby. <laughs> when he opens it and you see the mandalorians like head tilts, so you can almost see that expression of shock of of oh no and it's made me i mean we talk a lot about what's going to happen when the mandalorian takes off his helmet i will say i don't like how this episode made me question if the mandalorian is sleeping around with his mask with his helmet on (laughs) didn't really appreciate that (laughs) but oh
0: i thought it was great i thought it
1: was really funny (laughs) but also it's like i don't i don't want any form of this visual in my head (laughs) (laughs) And it made me wonder a lot for the first time, I think, in this episode about what exactly would we see on the Mandalorian's face in this situation because he is so calm and collected. Is he actually, you know, and this um, I think this is a question we've asked before, but in this episode specifically because I could feel that emotion and kind of tension about what's going to happen with baby Yoda. And I think that was also compounded by the fact that baby Yoda was actually out doing things rather than just kind of Mm -hmm. being constantly scooped up by other people. That was really welcome in this episode too. And I loved how he basically outsmarted zero (laughs) uh, by hiding from him. So I think that I found myself wondering a lot, you know, what exactly would, we see on the Mandalorian's face if, you know, once he's locked in that prison cell and he realizes that they're all going back and baby Yoda's on board that ship and he doesn't just need to get out of this situation for himself. Like he needs to get out of it in order to get back to baby Yoda and protect him.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that, and even at the end when just kind of skipping ahead, it's kind of what we do in this episode Um, in our episodes here, we don't really have like a huge roadmap about going through it, uh, piece by piece. But I think that in the end when baby Yoda is like, when they've gotten away and like all has gone according to plan and we see how things have kind of, uh, shaked, shook out, shook out with, (laughs) with, uh, with the prisoners and everything, um, You know, we see him be like, yeah, I told you that was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And he gives him the ball. And there's just, like, this really cute, like, intimacy between these two characters in that moment of, like, oh, yeah, here they go again on another adventure. Like, that was a bad idea. But here's baby Yoda in his, like, car seat in the back (laughs) again. And I think that it reestablishes that, like, (laughs) he's just kind of making some bad choices. But I think he recognizes that he's making some bad choices. and. He's he's realizing that these uh, different situations that you put himself and the child in danger um, aren't really doing much for him because it's not like giving him a lot of money. It's not. I mean, I guess it kind of is. It kind of is, isn't it? Yeah, He it? got the whole reward. It's just uh, yeah. <laughs> so in in both situations, yeah. so. I think that he is putting his himself on the line. I bet he wishes that things were a little easier. <laughs> I
1: think it's so funny because this whole season, the Mandalorian just keeps doing the same stuff. He like accepts a mission, leaves the kid, and then is subsequently surprised when the kid is found out and/or <laughs> and or captured. It's like, dude, you know that's gonna happen <laughs> at this point. Yeah, the kid wakes up from the nap, and then he, you know, gets into trouble. <laughs>
0: No, he needs to figure out how they can work together. That's the thing that I'm waiting yeah. for because you have Baby Yoda who is powerful. We were about to see that, and I think that there was that adorable moment where, when he was about to use the Force to save himself from Zero, and you know Dad Mandalorian in the back shoots Zero in the back, and I think that Baby Yoda looks at his hand like, "Did I do that?" <laughs> and uh, I think that we're I'm waiting for that moment of them working together because they did work together in chapter two Mm -hmm. and that's how they were able to get the egg so and that that worked out really really great And that episode like i said in the beginning remains like this kind of quiet meditation on how they can work together and how they can make progress together and i think that that's probably what we're working towards And it's they're just kind of holding off a little bit for that, where I think the Mandalorian has to trip and stumble a couple of times to realize that that's really that is the way this is the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I hope so. I really do, because those and I think that's what made this episode stand out more, too, is because Baby Yoda was actually doing something and he wasn't just being captured or hanging out on the Razor Crest. I mean, he's really just like, he's kept proximity to the Razor Crest for a while. I don't think he's been more than like 100 feet away from it <laughs> for however yeah. long they've been traveling. True.
0: He needs a new car. He does. He needs and a again, new that's
1: one of the great things about Lone Wolf and Cub is that the the baby is there in all of the combat situations. And in the subsequent films, the the child, he gets he he like gets his own skills and helps the dad in the fights mm-hmm. and i just i hope we get to see that at some point if not this season then definitely next season because that was such an interesting aspect of lone wolf and cub and the mandalorian the mandalorian and baby yoda more so than lone wolf and cub really plays on that emotional connection or tries to i think i don't think it's been the best but i think that Baby Yoda and Mandalorian are like ten times cuter than Lone Wolf and Cub. <laughs> um, yes, because I don't think I don't think Lone Wolf ever gives Cub any toys, <laughs> but Mandalorian does give toys to Baby Yoda, and that's the cutest thing in the world. So I I hope that uh, Baby
0: Yoda that they start going together on these things. Yeah, I think that it's interesting to consider the thought that Lucasfilm might not have known how much of a huge impact Baby Yoda would have on like the cultural zeitgeist (laughs) because he's kind of taken over everything. Everyone's talking about Baby Yoda and everyone wants more Baby Yoda. So when you have an episode that has like, you know, that's the longest episode that we've gotten so far and Baby Yoda has like a minimal part and doesn't really do anything super, super awesome. I think the part... That he's included in is fine and it was good for the story. I'm not saying that. But I do think that like we have people at this point who are watching the show only for Baby Yoda. And (laughs) I wonder how that feedback is going to be integrated into uh, season two. And I think it definitely will. And I think that in what we're talking about, about them teaming together. I think that's exactly what we're going to see because that's what everyone wants. And that's what everyone's kind of yearning for because that's what the most fan art is, is like dad Mandalorian with Baby Yoda. And I think they, they'll probably want to lean into that even more. I wonder if there was a little bit of like a, a hesitation or a tentativeness to overexposure for Baby Yoda of like leaning too far mm-hmm. into something and like kind of Jar Jar banksing it all um, with like a goofy character i mean not that baby yoda is goofy but he's definitely um like in a he's a certain type he's a dare to be cute type of character and i'm sure there's a little bit of hesitation just with the history of star wars with going all out with them and the fact that baby yoda lands is like almost a miracle and i'm sure that in season two they're going to lean into that even more i really mm-hmm. hope so
1: And I feel like it'll, it'll feel
0: like a natural progression though, because it'll be like, I think it'll be us kind of going through the motions of the Mandalorian also kind of like tentatively accepting the fact that he's like (laughs) this baby's dad now and kind of growing into the comfort (laughs) of having him around all the time. Do you think they'll save another Force moment for the finale? Yes, yes. I think that that's what we've been alluding to this entire time. I think that we had the one moment in chapter two to make us be like, what do they want from this child? I mean, and then we're like, oh, it's that. (laughs) (laughs) And the healing and everything. I think that we'll see something like that in chapter eight. I think that maybe we'll get something in chapter seven just ahead of the rise of Skywalker. The fact that they're moving it is so interesting. And I wonder if it has more to do with the story than the actual release date. They want people to actually go to the movies on Friday rather than stay home and watch the Mandalorian. I, I I think that that's definitely a factor, but I have to wonder if there's a story implication there. I think it's so interesting. (laughs) I mean, we, we saw baby Yoda try to force heal and, I, I, can't, I just keep re- returning to this. I want that no. to happen so bad in The Rise of Skywalker. And I feel like it will. And it would be really cool if we saw that on Wednesday, only to turn around and go to the movies on Thursday to see that as well. I'm so stressed. <laughs> stressed, excited, <laughs> sweating. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, right. let's talk about all of the members of this crew. Because they're all quite unique. Let's mm-hmm. start with, and you can tell me what you think of them all. Let's start with Bill Burr. So there's been a lot of conversation, I think, of Bill Burr, the co- comedian. I knew nothing about this guy before this. And I, li- I live in Boston. Like, I had no idea who this guy was. <laughs> and uh, because of that, I didn't really have any attachment to him at all. But I thought I saw people like commending the fact that he was actually a pretty good actor which I agree with. I think that this guy kind of settled into this character pretty well. I think that if we hadn't really talked about this yet, but if you can kind of consider the fact that Christopher Yost, the writer comes from a Marvel background, I think that there's definitely um, a sort of bad guy, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy type vibe to this episode. Like it's a very contained Guardians of the Galaxy, but what would happen if the Guardians like, everything went wrong. And not that that doesn't happen in Guardians of the Galaxy, but I think that they're all kind of bad people. And I think that he, Bill Burr, is probably more of the Rocket Raccoon archetype, even with the accent and everything, than not, except Rocket has a heart of gold. And I don't think Bill Burr's character does at all. No, definitely
1: not. I think that this... This episode definitely ran the risk of these characters being too exaggerated in their yeah. archetypes. and I think I think it definitely leaned into that sometimes. um but overall, I still think it worked really well. and I liked the Billboard character like you i I really had no prior knowledge about him. So I think that was kind of good for us coming in <laughs> and mm-hmm. not having any kind of background on who he was. But yeah, I, I liked him. I enjoyed his at first I didn't like his holster situation. It felt Oh, the thing on the back? No, the ones on the front. I, I was like, this is too much. This feel I wasn't sure if I if it felt real to me it, like mm. it almost looked me kind of a critique I had of last week but on second viewing it didn't it didn't really bother me as much but I liked his his second or his third blaster I guess that like he controls remotely or something I, I don't really know but I thought that was so kind cool. Of cool it's not something we've seen a ton of in Star Wars so I liked kind of that differentiation um yeah when he dropped the baby though
0: I was like well you're on my hit list <laughs> officially yeah, sure. <laughs> I like the joke of the fact that he was a sharpshooter and that they were like that I th- I think the intention was the Mandalorian was like gonna roll his eyes or be like I think he said something like that doesn't mean anything yeah and he was like I never missed or something like that no he was because and- he was like I wasn't a stormtrooper and the Mandalorian was like that's not saying a lot and he
1: was like but I wasn't a stormtrooper <laughs>
0: I, I really liked that because it just I like leaning into the fact that the stormtroopers always miss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. they have no training. Um, right. I think
1: probably my favorite person in the crew was the Devil Man, the the one with the horns. I I thought it was funny in their introduction sequence when he was like, as you can imagine, he's our muscle. <laughs> I was complete I thought his combat sequence with the Mandalorian was really good it was really surprising I sent this text to Charlotte too while we were watching it for the first time I said I wonder how often the Mandalorian has to like restock basically the butane in his (laughs) flamethrowers on his on his gauntlets I think because he gets so much use out of them I've never seen someone so trigger happy with a (laughs) flamethrower (laughs) <laughs> it's so good he, he it all the time but I really I thought their combat sequence was one of my favorites in the episode and I was totally surprised when he slammed the door on him but he was able to lift it up Again, I was like,
0: whoa. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a mirror of what we saw in the first episode where the Mandalorian was able to kind of slice a guy in half by using a door trick. And this did not happen with this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really surprising. I really enjoyed him. And I liked how he just wanted to shoot the mouse droids. He was like, oh, it's a mouse. It's so mousy. Come here, mousy, mousy, mousy,
0: just so he can shoot it. <laughs> it was – I think it's funny that he's like – the embodiment of the devil, and they just kind of really went for that with like almost zero nuance. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Blast points compared the combat fight that you refer to um, to the f- combat fight in Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark um, outside the uh, the mm-hmm. the plane mm-hmm. with the huge guy. Really, yes, I think that's a really apt comparison. Just because I think that. It, that is so hand to hand combat, and Indy uses a lot of tricks that he had gotten away with previously, and they just don't work here. Yeah. And it's the same situation. And both of those are both such tense scenes um, where you're like, oh my God, how's he going to make it through? You're like, wow, he's getting really beat up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's a really great and, comparison. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Exactly it totally like worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And then Zero, the droid, I think is another introduction of the Mandalorian really hating droids. I actually really like this tidbit. It's kind of um, the Mandalorian's kind of like Achilles' heel that he really doesn't like droids because of the prejudice that he has over droids. I suppose killing his parents in that flashback that we saw in the first and second episodes and the third episode too, the, the first and third episodes. And I... I feel like that's going to come back around because it's definitely a character flaw that needs to be refined and changed. Just given everything that star Wars has kind of stood for in the past four years about like droids have emotions (laughs) and the whole like droids rights situation, which um, I think gets a lot of conversation over whether or not that was executed well in solo or not. I don't think that's really the question. I think that that's what star Wars is kind of going for these days is to try to, uh I I don't know like I think that the Mandalorian really needs to get rid of that prejudice and how can you rise above it? Um I don't think that this episode necessarily helped because I don't think Zero was, was a good good droid to um to kind of change that prejudice, but I I think that that is I, remains a really interesting thing, uh, an interesting facet of the Mandalorian's past. And I can't wait to learn more about why he really thinks that, like, to clearly define it. But uh, Zero was really funny in this episode and really scary. Imagine
1: (laughs) if next season, like, by the end of this season, the Mandalorian also, like, ends up adopting, like, his own R2 or BB unit or a D.O. And it's just, like, the Mandalorian, Baby Yoda, and now they're a cute droid. (laughs) That would be great. <laughs> I would 100% before that. And I hope that happens. Yeah, I think the Joy thing is really interesting because it, it's it's something that's come up almost every episode, a lot of episodes. But there hasn't been any explanation to it. And this, this episode was great because we've had people who have known him for a long time. I think it's funny how everyone recognizes that like that, this is our Mandalorian, even though he has a new helmet and they've never seen his face. I think it's kind of funny that they're all like, oh, yes, this is ours. <laughs> This is the, men- this, this is the <laughs> Mandalorian that we know. <laughs> but even though he has a new helmet and like um, Zian notices that she, that he has the new helmet to a new armor and stuff like that. But she still knows that it's him. I just think it's funny. I'm like, how, how do you know? <laughs> I think it's almost
0: the ship that's there. Too. That's true.
1: Yeah. That, that's probably true too. Having the Razor Crest there is definitely a calling card yeah. as well. But it just, mm-hmm. I thought that, well we'll we'll get into that a little later. But yeah, so Zian, the other Twilek, or the first Twilek, uh, she was definitely a very exaggerated character. But I I liked how she handled knives. Again, you know, could play into Rise of Skywalker some. I don't know. I feel like we don't see knives very often in Star Wars. And so it was kind of cool that this was a part of her setup. I liked she was she was so um like vibrant in everything that she said and her emotions and I don't know she just you could tell I've, I've seen some people kind of compare her like she almost had a Harley Quinn vibe about her and I kind of get that because she was a little uh, I don't know all over the place but in like an enjoyable way I think for the way that this episode was set up to be a heist situation and I I don't know. I, I found her, I liked seeing her on screen. I thought she was fun. And I liked the intrigue that she presented too and the fact that she's known the Mandalorian for a long time. And so much so that she knows the the tagline of this is the way. And she even kind of mocks it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, have you ever seen him without his helmet off? And she's like, oh, you know, a lady never tells. I thought that was so intriguing. And the way that they kind of drop those tidbits of, like, oh, well, you know, ask him about what happened on, I think it's like Alicor for, you know, some planet. Um, because they do have history together, uh, whether or not it is any kind of <laughs> physical relationship or not. But they have gone on missions before together. And I, I like seeing people who talk about, like, the Mandalorian's past, because I think that that's the thing that's really interesting about the Mandalorian is that even though he is this not Marauder, but he's like a, he's a bounty hunter. He, you know, does hard jobs. He isn't afraid to, you know, slice a guy's head off at a bar. But at the same time, he has this weird principle about him that is, is kind of in juxtaposition to some of the things we have seen him do. And some of the things that people like Celan have uh, alluded, Dion have alluded to, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name, um, As far as like the decisions that he made on that planet way back then or the things that he did. And it makes me wonder if there's something that happened where he stopped working with a group with a crew regularly and then went to work by himself Um, because, you know, him talking about like that whole standoff with – we haven't even mentioned it yet, but Matt Lantner made a cameo <laughs> in this episode. Mm-hmm. But that whole standoff where he was like, we're not killing anyone. We're not killing it. Like, he was very adamant about that. And I don't know. I think it's it's been interesting seeing kind of that principle play out when a character like Zian – kind of implies that maybe he didn't always have that same character or that something happened and he kind of became more isolated himself. I don't know. There are just a lot of questions that I still have about the Mandalorian's past.
0: Yeah, I think that actually this is a really good moment of character development. I think that he had such a quick temper. He was willing to almost burn the Jawas with his like f- flamethrower situation in chapter 2 when he didn't get his way. But here we have him who kind of sticks to this idea of kind of justice in his own way and his principles. And the idea of this is the way doesn't mean anything that is super cruel. It really means he sticks to this kind of, this code, this byline, this um, understanding of complete justice. I think there's a good line with Quinn and the Mandalorian at the very end, after we don't see what happens to each of these prisoners as the Mandalorian fights them. Quinn goes, you killed the others. Mandalorian goes, they got what they deserved. And I think that in that moment, we're like, oh, my God, they're dead. Like, he didn't. He agreed, Mm -hmm. right? Like, wow, he he really killed them all. And I don't think that as an audience, we would have a hard time uh, realizing that or accepting that. So when later it is revealed that he really put them in prison, um, in a prison cell, that is his idea of justice. They got what they deserve, but they didn't deserve to die. And I think that even maybe in the beginning, like the first time we see the Mandalorian, he is so ruthless. Um, and that I think that we're supposed to return to that first scene, the cold open of the entire um, series and remember that that's who we saw in the very beginning. But now he is truly a man of principles and he is not above throwing these people who at this point know too much about the Mandalorian. They know that he has the child. They know everything basically about them. One of them has even slept with them. And I think that there's like this level of the fact that the Mandalorian probably could have gotten away with killing them, but he didn't because he is honestly probably a better person than any of them. Yeah. And I think I think that that development has been really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I
1: was really surprised that he left them alive, given that they do know about Baby Yoda. And I guess the good thing is, um, this might we might find out that something else happened is that Zero the droid is the one that's actually gone. I mean, I'm sure they can fix yes. him. Will they? I don't. I don't think so. Um, was uh, he? Yeah. He wasn't in the cell at the end, right? I don't think so. Now that you mention that, I don't remember. But I, don't I don't think, think he, was he was either. But he's the one that saw the message from grief and was like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. And so I, I I, would not be surprised at all if we find out that he transmitted that message somewhere else to else mm-hmm. about, you know, look at this interesting thing with the Mandalorian that I found out. But I was really surprised that the Mandalorian left everyone else alive Given what they know about Baby Yoda and the fact that they're now on a New Republic transport ship, prisoner ship—I don't know. I very interesting choice he made there.
0: It really kind of begs the question of, like, okay, so in the past few episodes, we've been dealing with the fact that you know there's a tracker for, like, there's like a hundred billion trackers out for the child. I don't think that this episode led us to believe that this crew knew anything about those Mm -hmm. trackers or even had a tracker themselves, but regardless, they know about the fact that the Mandalorian, this bounty hunter, could come up somehow that that's who they're looking for, that everyone is looking for him because he has this asset. And I think that in the last episode that left us on such a cliffhanger that was not resolved in this one, we understood that um, Ming-Na Wen's character, uh, Fennec Shand, did not that knew that he had a child that the asset was a child and i think that if she is alive and what 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 was happening at the end i think that that is only going to come to a head honestly in the the final episode or next episode or something like that where there's now this like almost network of intelligence around the fact that the mandalorian has this kid and um it's not a secret is what I'm saying. It's kind of whispered throughout that everyone knows that the asset is with him and that the asset is a kid. It's not just like this question mark thing. yeah, Cause it was initially of what it is. Yes. It is like, okay. Yeah. I've seen that. So if there was ever a photo that a went photo. around now that there's, there's like <laughs> yeah, tag a him photo, on Instagram, a, a wanted poster or something. I mean that happens in star Wars. We've mm-hmm. seen like a wanted poster before um then there's three people in new republic prison who could use that as a leveraging i don't who knows to get out or, or something like that they know where to find him um not that the new republic would want the, the child but uh, maybe they would i, mean, I don't maybe, know but
1: this, this is like that theory i brought up last week that a friend had sent me about like if it was luke at the end of the Mandalorian. And how we don't think it is, like 100% it's not Luke, but it just makes you raise interesting questions. Like think about, okay, well, what is Luke doing during this time period? And there's another Yoda, like not offspring, but there's another child of Yoda's species out there. Does Luke know about it? Do people in the New Republic, if Luke knows about it, Leia probably knows about it. You know what I mean? I just think it – like that – theory in particular raised a lot of questions about what exactly the New Republic is doing. And I liked how we got to be on a New Republic transport ship here because it is one of the few times that we've heard details about it. Um, I think the last time we heard it was when Grief mentioned in one of the first three episodes that the Mando could go to the New Republic if he was upset about what was happening about the child. And the Mandalorian was like, that's ridiculous. Why would anyone go to the New Republic? And that's kind of the last time we heard about it. So I I like that we got to bring them back. So I think it would be really interesting what would the new like is it going to be both the Bounty Hunters Guild and the New Republic potentially coming after this child? I I think I think that could be a possibility. I would be really interested to see it.
0: Mhm. I agreed and I think that that would be a really interesting thread now that they have three people who mm-hmm. know who he is. Yeah,
1: and if
0: Zion has actually seen him without his helmet on yeah which i think i honestly think she has i think she would have said no no if she had it. wouldn't that be so interesting if like we've been talking you know
1: a lot about what it is that's going to make the mandalorian take off his helmet but what if he and like what if he ends up having to make the choice to take it off as a form of disguise to protect baby mm. yoda
0: Wow, that's so interesting. But then he'd have to really renounce everything that is his armor exactly. and like any sort of signet that he gained before. Exactly. So
1: if there is this wanted poster that goes around with his armor and like his insignia on it and stuff like that, maybe then he then it's like he's backed into a corner, basically. Wow. Into it. That's angsty. Yeah. <laughs> I am too. I am too. <laughs> So one of the things that was interesting, this was something that came up so much in the first three episodes, was the history of the Mandalorians and what exactly happened to them. And I really liked the discussion that the rest of the crew had while on board the Razor Crest in front of the Mandalorian, where <laughs> they they're talking about, you know, like are Mandalorians really as great as everyone says? And they say apparently they're the greatest warriors in the galaxy. And then I think it's the Devil Man. A member of the gang that says, then why are they all dead? And they all laugh about it, but it's, it's definitely an interesting question and just uh, emphasizes that there's a lot we don't know about what's happened. It's funny because Bryce Dallas Howard knows what happened because if you remember on her Instagram Live a couple weeks ago, she's – I don't
0: think we've talked about this in the show yet. Have
1: we not? So Mm-mm. Bryce Dallas Howard went on Instagram Live to do – just like a and a basically about her episode of The Mandalorian. And she was like, oh my God, you know, beforehand I got all this background history from Dave Filoni. And she goes and gets these handwritten notes that Dave wrote. And they definitely look like a timeline of events. And she's showing them. And then she goes, you can kind of see this panic, like this moment of dread cross her face where she's like, actually, you know what? I probably shouldn't show these.
0: <laughs> but don't worry. I took so many screenshots. And... <laughs> I posted them in our Patreon Discord, and I've never seen so many people being like, let's, you know, let's translate. Enhance. And <laughs> yeah, enhance, enhance, really. It was so funny. And I think that we were able to make some progress, but it's still like, oh. it's just a blurry Instagram yeah, live photo. it was just
1: so funny watching her be like, oh, actually... <laughs> Should not basically
0: the yeah the main takeaway though is that dave filoni knows exactly the timeline and it's pages and pages long and bryce dallas howard has that in her house yeah. and she knows it and so does dave and we're gonna get it someday
1: some someday somehow yeah i i think it's such a good question and that's something that I thought would come up a lot more is seeing more pieces of that. And I still have questions about, you know, whatever planet we are on at the very start of the series, how there are all these Mandalorians that are there, but no one else knows that they're there. I don't know. I think it's very fascinating and there's a lot I don't understand about it. But – Uh, I enjoyed hearing the conversation here because it's like, yeah, they are the greatest, but apparently they're all dead and like they are this rarity in the galaxy now and they still have this weird prestige, you know, kind of like um, like an endangered species kind of thing. Like they're treated very reverently, but then -hmm. they're like, well, if they're as good as everyone says they are, why like they got defeated.
0: So (laughs) it's going to whatever they show it's going to be kind of devastating by kind of i mean truly devastating we're going to be sad whatever happened yeah we're going to be very mm-hmm. sad cuz star wars is tragedy <laughs> <laughs> we got a pin for that <laughs> we do have a
1: pin for that celebration exclusive <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um yeah i i enjoyed i liked the dynamic of the characters i thought it was you know, they were trying to get under the Mandalorian skin, and it doesn't work. And I said this earlier, but it really does make me wonder, you know, what would we see on his face if he wasn't wearing a mask or if they did take it off? You know, I, I'm i very interested. <laughs> <What> a, <laughs> extremely, extremely interested. Extremely interested to see. And it, the weird thing is, is that Bill Burr's character even words it in a strange way. He says, um, let's see those eyes. Which I thought was oh, really
0: that is so good. Yeah,
1: it was very. I was like a little creeped out by it, honestly, which I think you're supposed to be.
0: But I was like, yeah, I'm with you, Bill Burr character. <laughs> Let's see the eyes. That totally works though, because mm-hmm. that's exactly. I mean, the eyes are the what the window into the soul, mm-hmm. and I think that right now we're putting so much onto the mask in terms of emotions. And that's the great exercise of watching the Mandalorian is to understand the body language and everything that's going around and the reactions of all the characters that he plays off with in order to understand what's happening with the mask. But Bill Burr even saying, let's see those eyes, I think is it's pretty violating. And like, that's, I think that's why you feel like it's creepy. I think the more and more they kind of hammer home this idea that removing the mask is uh, something that has to be like i think that it's really invite invading his own private space if anyone else does it for him and every episode you build upon that um almost pressure for him to remove the mask and further realizing that at the end whenever that happens and he takes it off and can never put it back on again due to his own principles that he's so um that he sticks to so uh fervently that it will be his own choice and that choice will be so dramatic when it does happen it's going to hurt probably <laughs> it's going to really hurt it's going to really hurt and it'll be a i think a beautiful moment that the internet will be talking about forever mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I liked how the tension in this episode was really good. I thought the pacing was really well handled. You said this at the top of the show about it being really well directed and edited. And I think that's true. I think there were a lot of surprises packed into this, you know, roughly 40-minute episode. Again, this is our longest, second longest episode of the season. And uh, I was really, like, when they rescue Quinn out of, the prison cell and he immediately just like pushes him back in to it and you kind of find out I think you can kind of allude or assume that what Zeon was referencing in the beginning of the episode about you know asking what happened on Alucard 4 or whatever the planet was and the Mandalorian says I did what I had to do I I think you could assume I don't think it'd be a bad theory to say that he left behind her brother Quinn on that mission and i just think it's really interesting how ran the the proprietor i guess of this this whole thing at the top of the episode. He knew that that's who they were going to rescue and likely knew what the Mandalorian did and so did Zeon as well and that that's who they're going to rescue. I just think it, it adds this really nice layer onto everyone's relationships and I remember thinking about that at the beginning of the episode too when you get this very familial um, like almost warm welcome from Ran when the Mandalorian comes there and he's like always oh, great to see you again. You know, no question Questions asked here. You know, he like claps him on the back of the, you know, on the shoulder and stuff. And he's like, you can join this crew. It'll be great. And then when he finds out, when the Mandalorian finds out that they need his ship, and he was like, no, I didn't agree to that. And then suddenly there's this switch with Rand, And he's like, make no mistake. That's the only reason I let you back here is because of the Razor Crest. <sighs> and I thought mm-hmm. that it was like that dynamic I find really fascinating. He's obviously a character you can't trust. And the uh, he even says so much at the end when the Mandalorian asks him, like, do you trust any of these people? Like, how can we trust them? And Rand says, well, I don't trust anyone. And it just goes to show that you also can't trust him too. And the Mandalorian gets the wool pulled over his eyes when it's Quinn that they rescue and then they shove him in the prison cell too. But I love how at the end... <laughs> When they come back and and Rand is like, "Where are the others?" The Mandalorian's just like, "No questions asked." And Rand doesn't even bat an eye. He's like, "You're right. No questions asked." And gives him the money
0: and off they go. Yeah, I I, I really liked that. Me too. I think it, it was um, a relationship I don't think we've seen a lot in Star Wars as a whole.
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought it was really well done, and and I was really surprised at just the fact that. At one, Rand's comments in the beginning of the episode, the fact that uh, it was Quinn that they left behind and they very quickly betrayed the Mandalorian at first. So the first time I watched it, I don't think I – I almost – I got a little confused and I thought that the Mandalorian – like the mission the whole time had been to capture the Mandalorian and that they knew about what was happening. Like that's where the rest of the episode was going to go. But once I actually went back and rewatched it and – like rewatched that part too I realized that it was a surprise of like oh it's you who came to rescue me great now I can get my revenge <laughs> and I don't know I thought it was I thought it was really good and then like the way that the Mandalorian kind of picked off each one of them at the end and then you know ended up giving Quinn the what did the transporter or the what was that thing the transmitter thing at the end the tracker mm-hmm. and they were not not great things happened then <laughs> yeah.
0: let's talk about that part because let's talk about the cameos and the kind of Easter eggs as a whole because I think that in the conversations around this episode that has happened over the past couple days, you know this couldn't either be seen as a negative or a positive. What did you think about the director cameos at the end
1: I I was really shocked. <laughs> I was really surprised to see Dave. And I was really happy. I think that I think that on future viewings it will probably take away from the episode. And not even so much that they're there. You and I talked about this, and I think someone else had brought it up too that like we almost we spent just a couple seconds too long with the directors. Like Dave has multiple lines at the end of it. And the first one was good. And I was like, Oh my God, it's, it's Dave Filoni and Deborah Chow and Rick too. And um, it was really fun, but they did have like, I don't know, like a whole 30 seconds of screen time or something, which felt a little bit long uh, for just a cameo. But I think it's fun. I don't think it's not the most egregious cameo I've ever seen. <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's certainly they weren't like a plot point, which was good. You know, it really was kind of a true cameo where they just showed up at the end, said a couple things, and then the episode was over. And I liked that it was at the end too. So it wasn't something that you were kind of thinking about throughout the whole episode.
0: I was really excited to see Dave. And then I was even more excited to see Deborah Chow and Rick. in. And I think that... I I agree. I think I was the one that said that like there was just too many cuts on Dave's face mm-hmm. where it felt like a f- almost a full minute with cameo Dave, and I just don't think we needed that. I think that we could have used one line from each of them, and I think that would have been enough. Um, but maybe they just had to do that because of the way that the scene was progressing. I I really liked how the line went from... I don't remember which character it was. I think it was Quinn who said... Are those X wings? And then it cuts back to Rick, <laughs> and he's like, "Yep, I really liked that. I thought yeah. that was so funny." <laughs> and it it was a kind of a wink nod almost at this idea that I don't know. We're we're as the audience, I was like, "Oh my god, it's X wings! Oh my god, it's all the directors!" <laughs> uh, and I'm like, "Oh, where's Bryce Dallas Howard's uh, cameo?" Yeah. <laughs> i also so i i liked him i don't really have a problem with it i don't think that i think that dave has worked his way into his shows in his own way in the past you know davis chopper which i think is always a funny yeah. thing um and i i think that it's probably about time that dave had a full-on cameo he looked a little human like he looked a little outside of star wars to me um, while the others did not, I, I don't and think again he did. I think that perhaps it's just because we we yeah. lingered
1: too long, and I think that's because we know him so well.
0: <laughs> exactly,
1: think, like, Exactly. us problem. it's a double edged sword there because we're immediately going to recognize him and be excited about it, but then it's also like, oh, it looks like Dave because it is Dave. Oh, it's not an X Wing pilot, you know. <laughs>
0: And the ironic thing about what you just said is probably how a lot of people felt, and I know this because our friend Savannah felt this way, about Bill Bill Burr's character is that they were like, oh, well, I know him from outside of Star Wars and I don't really like him there. So this is almost too much because he's like kind of playing himself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have no uh, understanding of that at all. So I didn't think that. (laughs) And I think that I wonder if people even bat an eyelash at this, the, the X-Wing pilots. I feel like they won't at all.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I will say I liked, I thought Matt Lantner blended in a lot more than the pilots, the director pilots at the end. I think that's probably because he had a giant hat on too, like a helmet <laughs> situation. <laughs> but I was watching it and at first I didn't recognize him immediately and I was like, wait,
0: Wait a second! <laughs> I was like that's Matt. Leonard. I loved it. That's
1: Anakin Skywalker.
0: Yeah, it was so great. I think that I like the wink at the animation fans because it's also it was also kind of funny because I I do feel like Matt was trying to shield his voice away from going full Anakin, mm-hmm. and uh, it worked. I think that he he as a like a face character, as they say in Disney terms, um, really worked here, and I really liked it. And it didn't feel out of place.
1: Yeah, it didn't. And it was cool, too, because it was a minor role, but we were still, like, with him for a minute, you know? Whereas it's funny because, like, we're over here saying that, like, the directors were too long that we spent with them, whereas Matt's worked a lot better because it was a really high tension situation. And the focus wasn't necessarily on him, and he didn't even have a ton of lines either I thought it was cool um I I really liked his cameo I thought it was fun I hope I hope we see him in other places too
0: yeah me too I don't think we will but yeah, it, we did
1: it, but if we did yeah, I
0: would <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think I texted you and I was like oh there's Matt Lantner oh he's gone <laughs>
0: <laughs> I it think was... he served a good purpose though for the same purpose that we talked about before about like the character development where uh mandalorian wanted to negotiate and th- that same negotiation that we saw in the last episode that worked so well with the tuscan raiders the other group was not having it at all and how that kind of showed this dichotomy between the mandalorian and the 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 big shot crew <laughs> basically <laughs> big shot gangster and putting together a crew <laughs> i also liked the Ardinian cameo in this episode, because it felt like a wink nod to the fact that uh, Rio Durant in Solo is played by John Favreau, which I often forget. Mm-hmm. And uh, here is an Ardinian in a cell. I don't know if, I, if a lot of people caught that, but I thought it was fun. Yeah, I thought it was fun, too. I was like, oh, hello. Rio. <laughs> also
1: gone. <laughs> yeah. Gone, but not forgotten. <laughs> no, I, I really like Rio as a character. Yeah, so, I did too. I was really sad when he died.
0: Me too. Gone too soon. Gone too soon.
1: <laughs> you have put this uh, interesting thing at the uh, in our show notes that we hadn't discussed yet even though we spent a, a little bit of time talking about the title of the episode of The Prisoner and how it refers to multiple people. And we had talked about that a little bit with the gunslinger and the gunslinger wasn't as I mean it was it could apply to multiple people in that episode but we were kind of like oh it definitely applies to the toro the young bounty hunter himself like it fit him the best whereas i think here with the prisoner it really could refer to a lot of different people and that title changes throughout the episode which was part of one of the charms of this episode was just how uh it 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 changed so much. I mean, by the end of it, we've had like five different people in the same cell.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I just think that this show is purposely keeping these titles kind of broad and vague as to constantly kind of refer to different parts of the episode. The Gunslinger is a good example. I'm kind of blanking now on the other episode titles. Let me pull them up. But I definitely think The Prisoner here referred to Um, Who they were rescuing and then the Mandalorian when he was a prisoner, which we we didn't even really talk about that. But that was pretty awesome. Where, you know, in that moment, you're like, well, crap, he's in (laughs) in a prison cell. And then he immediately gets out of it in a pretty badass way. It was really great. Uh, Which, yeah, it was super cool. And, um, and then at the end you have a full group of prisoners left. And I think that it's just kind of like the cyclical, cyclical thing. I think that the child obviously only refers to, um, the child, but then also there's like an egg in that episode. So, I mean, that's gross, but you never know. (laughs) And then the sin also is many, many, could be many different things. I think that the sin itself was, um, dropping off the child, but then also the sin of extracting whatever they had to get from the child is also a sin. And then leaving the planet and kind of allowing for the Mandalorians all to rise to the top of this town is also a sin in itself. And then also going against the Bounty Guild is another sin. So there's many sins in the sin. (laughs) Sanctuary. We're just gonna blow right past it that. It doesn't have a D, so no the... it doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, yeah I, uh, yeah, I, I liked, I liked the. I've liked all the titles, even even Sanctuary without its without its article in front of it. But the prisoner felt really fitting, I think, for this episode. Yeah.
0: I also really liked how like the hip hop music started to play when they showed the title. <laughs> I really liked, like, we've we've talked about the music a lot, but I don't think I've talked about the specific moment where in the episode begins, there's the cold open, and then it goes to, you know, chapter six, The Prisoner. And there's, I, I just, like, uh, the music is just so good. <laughs> and this one in particular was, like, hip and cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I really liked it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like we said earlier, the music really stood out in this episode specifically, even more so than it has in the past. So I think all around, I had a good time with this episode. And I'm very ready to see what it has to show us on Wednesday, you know, a mere 24 hours before <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker comes out. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that'll be
0: great. <laughs> We're getting The Rise of Kylo Ren on Wednesday and The Mandalorian. And then 24 hours later, we're watching (laughs) The Rise of Skywalker. We are in Star Wars season, and it is just so much. Next episode is directed by Deborah Chow, too. So that's exciting. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) We're hit over the head with all the Star Wars.
1: I was thinking about it earlier today. I was like, have we ever lived through a period of star wars content like we have the month of december 2019 no no it's just literally no it's absolutely (laughs) bananas i just (laughs) i'm like oh my god there's just been so much i don't even know how to process it honestly yeah me neither i really don't oh okay so is there anything
0: else we need to say about this episode no, I just really liked it, and I think it's a I think it is definitely kind of a polarizing episode, but definitely not as polarizing as last week's mm-hmm. I'd agree, I'd agree, yeah, I enjoyed this one a lot. It
1: worked a lot more for it worked a lot more for me than last week's episode and i'm I'm really looking forward to the rest of this week, which goes without saying <laughs> totally <laughs> so uh like we said, we will be covering the rest of the Mandalorian. It probably won't be until 2020 perhaps maybe before but you can just keep a look out on our social media accounts if you want more information about that you can find us most often on twitter at sky talkers pod or our personal twitter handles mine is at caitlin Plusher and charlotte's is at clarity we will also we also are on instagram as well as facebook and skytalkers.com and our email sky talkers podcast at gmail.com if you haven't press pause right now and go and leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find our show and it makes us really happy too. And if you're looking for other ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon if you're interested in that.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I want to say a huge thank you to our amazing patrons. Joey, Jason, Fiorella, Marty, Spencer, Kathy, Gee, Jenna, Jessica, Mike, Thomas, Bridget, Shelbo, James, Kate, Nathan, Sam, Bailey, Eric, Kelly, Neil, Mary, Larry, James, Sarah, Susanna, Z, Cherie, Diana, Becca, Lynn, Katie, Courtney, Amy, Kelly, Jim, Suara, Bradley, Kristen, Eunice, Danielle, Matt, Eaton, Garrett, Debo, Irina, Edith, Jacqueline, Rachel, Lady Vader, John, Kevin, Ian, Raz, Lakshana, Candice, Ewan, Tom, Daniel, Heather, Brooklyn, Kimma, julia Matthew, Captain britain Jackson, Carrie, Jackson, Raphael, David, Ada, Liz, Christian, Nicole, Jonathan, Rachel, Aaron, Brooke, Rebecca, Kathy, Ira Bell, Kimberly, Vundacast Productions, Christian, Adam, Megan, Courtney, Santara, Thomas, John, Megan, Kate, Matthew, Fernanda, Chell, Manny, David, Claudia, Kate, Lady Valkyrie, Jenny, Blessed Cheesemaker, Danny, Lumpero, Patrick, James, Hammy, Neil, The Dorky Diva Show, Megan, Stewart, Kyle, Jennifer, Kels, Chastity, Alaya, travis katie Alyssa, rebecca delaney angela ali natalia daz serene shireen molly miss art rebuild matt jen jordan isabel camille amy jared claire brad caitlin rebecca heli scott bj casey lauren tom kirsty the clashing sabers podcast and chuck thank you so much for supporting us your support means the world
1: yes thank you guys so much and until next time May the force be with you.
0: May the force be with you.